Welcome back to another quarantined edition of the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is Al Lunsford, digital editor at Lynx, and I'm in my kitchen slash living room office setup for another episode. And joining me today is Eric Matyszewski, who looks like he's in a extremely nice home office, fully equipped with a calendar on the wall and a nice, nice bookshelf, plenty of reading to go around. Eric, what's going on up where you are? Not too much. I'm hanging out. You're right here in my home office. I'm surrounded by about 500 logo balls on the wall, which you can't see right now, but um, I can only stare enviously at them because we have no golf here in New Jersey at all. Well, right off the bat, I'm just going to go random spitfire mm-hmm. and ask you your favorite ball on your list of, of logo balls in front of your face. Oh, well, see, that's a <laughs> tough question because is it is it the logo itself or is it the significance of the logo and, and kind of what it means in that quest? So, um, you know, I've got my favorite rack up there. I've kind of got the the top row of balls and, the, you know, you have a special affinity for a logo like like National Golf Links or, or Pebble Beach or, or Cypress Point. So and that's the nice thing. This is a it's a great collectible and I've got it here next to me at all times. A couple follow-ups. Do you arrange them in any particular order um, and why? And then are all of these balls brand new, never touched, or are, at some have you played with before? Yeah, so I've got my uh, my top 50 rack. It's actually 49 balls, and there's a few more stacked on top just because I've run out of shelf space right now. So that's probably my top rack over on my left side of my desk, and then I keep going down the line. Um, so I, I do have somewhat of a de facto ranking. And then when it comes to the point where I have to dust these things off, they start to move around a little bit. Most of them are new. I try and collect them every every little stop along the way. Invariably, I'm going to find some that I add to the collection and they might be a little a little used. But um, And then I have a, a couple other rack, at least one or two that are curious ones that I've found during my travels, but I have not yet played or that have been passed along to me. Mm, okay. I actually have gone with the golf pencil route. So I collect golf pencils from all the clubs I go to. Uh, it is the more cost efficient route I found um, because they are normally free. I've run into a couple of clubs that have asked for compensation for pencils, which I, I was sour on. Um, they shall go unnamed though. But And then also a, a pencil rack is a little bit harder to find than, than a ball rack, a little less common. Um, this was a gift from a friend uh, from Etsy, I believe I was able to find one, but it's only got like 40 slots. So I have a bunch just sitting in a drawer somewhere because I haven't gotten a second uh, display, but that's on my list. We're going to need to connect afterwards because I need to find out where you got that because that's the next thing I'm looking for is a, Ooh, yeah, is okay. a golf pencil rack. So I know they're a little bit hard to come by. I'm looking for some creative types who can make some some cool ones. But I have like a, a strawberry, uh, a pint container that is full of golf pencils that is just waiting to to be the next thing of, to go yeah. up on the walls. I'll see if I can find you a link. I also I've seen... Um, uh, our friend Patrick Koenig sure. uh, has a humongous collection of golf pencils, and I saw him post on his Instagram story one time his wall of pencils he's framed and mounted. Um, looked really cool. Yeah, it becomes an interesting exercise when the pencils are a little bit different than length, especially the ones that don't have the eraser on the back or yes. whatever it might be. So, Length and width. You know, some uh, are 
smooth around there. They don't have any edges. Some are, are kind of like a, a hexagon of some sort. Uh, this is completely, Completely, we've gone completely off the rails already. It's what we're actually going to talk about, but um, let's let's get it back here. All right, all right. Uh, so Eric is joining me today because we wanted to discuss a initiative or, or several initiatives going on in the world of golf right now. Clubs and and companies and and different individuals that are helping in support and an aid for health workers and the like um, in light of the coronavirus. So Eric pinned a really good piece uh, about a, a really great initiative that I'll let him introduce, and that's on linksmagazine.com. The, the piece is called How Golf Clubs Are Helping Health Workers During the Crisis. Um, Eric, can you introduce to us the idea of Clubs Help? Yeah, sure. So Clubs Help, um, it's, well, it's now national. 501c7 foundation. So, and the idea of it is getting country clubs to, you know, their members really want to help and they're actively interested in helping with the, the pandemic any way they can. And this really looks to facilitate that. So it's, it's looking to connect clubs with local hospitals to provide supplies for health workers on the front line who are really the ones that are trying to combat this this pandemic. And, you know, when you think about it, it makes great sense, right? Because there's so many people out there that want to help, but hospitals are strapped right now. It's not like we can call up in most, most instances and say, hey, what do you need? I'm very interested in helping. But chances are they're not just going to they're not going to have that availability or the time to to kind of receive every question that comes in or every outreach. But these country clubs, in a lot of instances, they have established partnerships, right, because they've been involved in so many different community uh, functions, tournaments, charity events that they have longstanding relationships with their local hospitals. So just by virtue of that, and because they have members, which they have means and the inclination to help, that this connection that exists makes it much more viable. So they can have this outreach and say, listen, we want to establish. So the the plan with clubs help is that they have one established captain at the golf club. Then they also have a captain at the local hospital. These two people work together. Whatever that hospital needs, the folks at the club will come together and make sure that they get it and deliver. So whether it's food, whether it's supplies, whether it's just making uh, runs, uh, personal protective equipment for folks at the hospital. So it's really an incredible initiative. And we're seeing it take, you know, it took root in New Jersey. And I said, I'm based in New Jersey. And that's the the way I kind of came across it. There's a, a 99-year-old private club called Springbrook up in, in northern New Jersey. <clears throat> and kind of the New York area, northern New Jersey has been one of the the hubs of the coronavirus outbreak. So there's been a particular need up there. And it was started because a club member at Springbrook wanted to help and they wanted to do what they could to their local hospital. They wanted to deliver food and supplies. So they started out by doing that. And then it's just expanded from there. They decided to put this foundation together. They started spreading the word a little bit. And as it turned out, the manager for Ernie Els, Rob Goulet, happened to hear about it and reached out to the folks at Springbrook and said, you know what? This is fantastic. 
Let's see about turning this into a national campaign. And, you know, in today's day and age, things happen so quickly and it's really encouraging to see. And, you know, we talk about golf being this great big community and people who want to actively help. And the way it organically sprung into action, this local initiative, really quickly turned into a national campaign. And it's really been encouraging to see, you know, it's particularly helping folks in hot spots, whether it's New York, Jersey, Connecticut, and kind of expanding from there. So it's really a cool example of how people can pull together in this time of crisis and, you know, support the frontline, the healthcare workers who are, they're the ones putting their lives on the line. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, people probably think that they want to help and they're just trying to figure out the best way to do so. And this is a really good effort if you're involved in in your golf club already to kind of band people together in kind of way you're already familiar with the organization you're working with. Um, You have like a squad leader, so a point person and, and any golf club can help. All you have to do is contact clubs help for more information about how to assign a captain and start making a difference by going to www.clubshelp.org. And that that's just so, so cool and such a good idea and a good indication of really how, how much people are, are wanting to just get this thing under control and really help the people that deserve the credit and in, in fighting this fight. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's it's a matter of them springing into action because they want to do as much as they can. And if the hospital doesn't have to take that much of an active role, but they're able to to benefit as much as possible. And it's great for the club and the club members because, you know, you have this captain who's coordinating all these efforts. It doesn't matter whether it's just the basic food items for these for the medical personnel who are working 12 hour shifts and want to grab something on the run or, or whether it's, uh, you know, the personal protection supplies or this lighting, this UV lighting that they have for sterilization. You think about it, of phones and keys, the things that they bring to the hospital. So they're able to to put together these delivery services, bring it all over once a week and just make the lives of the of the folks there at the hospitals that much easier. So it, it's really neat to see. And I've heard since I did report on this story initially, you know, I've heard of some other organizations and efforts like this. You know, I I, I was reached out to uh, in Georgia. There's a philanthropic golf organization called Servanty, and they have a very similar effort called For F O R E. You know, the golf tie-in for your neighbor. And you know, the idea is very much the same to connect and equip golfers to serve these organizations and, and others in need. So you know, it's Again, it comes back to the idea of leveraging the power of these existing relationships and connections, and you're providing resources that ultimately make a difference. And it's it's really cool to see. Kind of similar to what you're talking about, um, on the back on the local level, there are clubs. I read a story about these seven clubs in the Palm Beach Del Rey area of Florida have band together to donate 200 meals a day to the Delray Medical Center down there. I'll mention them quickly. Addison Reserve, Quail Ridge, Polo Club, Delaire, Glen Eagles, St. Andrews, and Woodfield. So they're doing a great job in their community. And I think, you know, the more we dig, I think the more we'll find stuff like that. And, and Clubs Help is a big reason that these organizations are, are popping up. Uh, it's a great idea. And you've kind of seen that, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier, but across the, the spectrum um, in the world and business of golf, different ways that different companies uh, have decided to 
get creative or in some cases even halt production altogether to create medical supplies to to focus all that they can from an effort standpoint in helping the medical field and I know you you did other research into this topic too can you tell us about some of the other companies out there and what they've done yeah for sure I think one of the first ones that you know a lot of folks in the golf community probably know a company called Seamus pretty well and you know they do a lot of uh bespoke products, whether it's uh, ball markers or uh, head covers and, you know, some really cool items like that. But it, it was and not surprising because of kind of who they are and what their ethos is, but they really sprung into action uh, very early on. They they shifted their production over and they have an entire team that's making these, these bespoke products for golf, but they shifted it over to making masks for the front frontline workers. And they're donating all these for free. They're giving all this stuff away for free. And it was encouraging to see. Others followed the lead. There was companies like uh, B-Dratty, Roback, Levelware Golf. There's a there's a sock company called IS Golf. And, you know, all these companies, they, they shifted. Their production all of a sudden went towards creating masks. There's a company called Straight Down, and they did masks and gowns. So, I mean, they, they did 72,000 masks. They did 56,000 hospital gowns for emergency workers. And this is just in San Luis Obispo, where they're located. So, you know, it's very much a local initiative and a local effort, but it's something that makes an incredible difference. So it's it's really neat to see efforts like that. You know, similarly, people around the country have probably heard of Kemper Sports, one of the biggest operators of, of courses across the country, one of the biggest management companies. And they had teamed up with FootJoy in Illinois with along with the, the local PGA Foundation there. And they were donating waterproof golf rain suits. So all of a sudden, you know, you have all these rain suits that that FootJoy had, had created and made, but they're being donated as protective equipment for healthcare workers because in, in Illinois, you know, and I thought that was another really cool effort that's out there. And, you know, we've seen some donations as well. That's been a that's been a big one. Uh, a popular one was was LinkSoul. And, you know, they have a very loyal community following. They've been they've taken a lot of steps and in, in, in initiatives that improve the game and try and help grow the game of golf itself. But, you know, they sprang into action as well. They had this very cool flatten the curve T-shirt, you know, just hitting that yeah. low stinger and getting that idea. And then, you know, all the proceeds from something like that, you know, and it was last I saw it was over well over $100,000 gets donated to, to research and initiatives to, to help combat this. I'm looking at it right now, actually, um, and they've raised over $140,000 so far. Really cool shirt, too. I kind of want one. Yeah, and then, the, like you said, 100% of the proceeds from that are donated to the Center for Disease Philanthropy. So it's going straight back into, you know, what we're talking about. You know, this is all really spawned by the idea of sometimes sometimes golf can get a, a bad rap in certain circles. And but I think this really speaks to the, the community nature and the inclination of of golfers in the community to want to help others. You know, it's you think about what golf does every year as a charity fundraising vehicle. I mean, you're talking billions of dollars raised through golf every single year. So it's not surprising to see the industry, to see local clubs, to see businesses spring into action and really make a concerted effort to make a difference at a time like this. 
It's neat yeah. to see. And on the national level, you're seeing things like the All In Challenge, which I'm sure a bunch of people have started to become familiar with. Have you seen? Have you been to their website? It is incredible the the different experiences and and auction items that are on there. I haven't dug into it deep enough. I've seen it a little bit though, and it's been uh, it's interesting. It looks like they've raised over thirteen million dollars so far. From a golf standpoint, I know that Peyton Manning's involved. Play a go- around with Peyton Manning. Bubba Watson has a similar thing. Justin Timberlake and Bill Murray, you can play around with them at Pebble Beach. And Greg Norman, I think you can play with him as well. So very cool to see these really high-profile celebrities, athletes, and stars find creative ways. And also cool when they get to use golf to do that as well. That's right. Some pretty cool experiences, too. And not surprised that uh, you know a lot of those folks that are getting involved would like to extend that to uh, – to the golf course and you know make that available because people and that's the cool thing you know you get a chance to get out there on the golf course and um whether it's a whether it's a famous actor or a star athlete you know who knows they may be just as good as you or even worse to shift gears a little bit there i wanted to talk a little bit with you about you know golf has in some parts of the country been able to sustain play uh people have still been able to get out on the course and there have been a few restrictions in place, but it's one of those sports that for the most part, you can stay away from people. You keep your, your safe social distance and still be able to completely, almost completely play as you normally would had this not been going on. But I wanted to pick your brain and and talk about some of the, the changes to the way that people are playing golf right now. And also what you think in terms of these changes might be something that sticks, you know, once all, once we're back to, you know, quote unquote, normal life, which of these things could you maybe see just being a regular thing on the golf course? So for example, there are no rakes in most of the bunkers. The pins are being left in cups are kind of raised. So you don't have to stick your, your fingers all the way down in there. What else have you seen in that regard that comes to mind? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you, just talk about the the customer experience in, in arriving at the golf course. You know, it's we're seeing now where you register for a round, you sign up and pay for a round beforehand. You you don't do it. You almost walk right to the first tee, right? And mm-hmm. you you wonder how much that something like that is going to change going forward. Where all of a sudden you kind of simplify the check in process as much as possible. Golfers don't even necessarily have to come into the shop unless they want to buy something. And so maybe that that would be discouraged going forward because, you know, they'd like to have them come in and kind of look at the wares. But, you know, that certainly simplifies the process. It's things like that where it's just quick and easy and hop right up to the first tee. Yeah, it made me wonder, too, just I played around a couple weeks ago back at home. uh, And for the most part, you don't really think about it when you're on the course, but you know, can't wash my ball. It's, if it's dirty, I've got to do that on my own. Um, and you know, there's no, no water on the course. I had to think about that. Um, it's like, I would really like to refill my water bottle right about now. And I was walking 18 holes and probably should have prepared better for that because there there wasn't any water out on the course. And then at the end of the round, it's instead of a standard hat off handshake, we were elbow bumping each other and that just it kind of got me thinking you know is are the some of these things things we should be doing just in general um and and 
are we ever going to go back to is handshaking dead? Are we ever going to shake hands again is what I want to know. Yeah. And it's a good question, right? Because, you know, whenever we get to the end of what this is, it's not going to be a quick flick of a switch, right? It's going to be a, it's going to be a gradual process. You know, things are going to be phased back into operation. And I think when we talk about businesses and, you know, obviously there's a lot of debate over what's essential and what's not essential in certain areas and what's safe and what's not safe to do. And kind of no matter where you fall and no matter where you are, one of the very first businesses that comes back, one of the very first activities that comes back, you know, if it's not already in, in play is golf. And, you know, we've talked about that many times. Golf is, you know, it's inherently consistent with that whole concept of social distancing, right? So even when we're together in groups, you know, there doesn't necessarily have to be that close interaction. And, and you're right. I think in the future, we'll, and certainly in the immediate future, I think the handshake may be going the way of the dodo. You know, that's not going to be something that we're going to be seeing anytime soon. So little things like that change. And you know, you see ingenuity as well. Uh, you kind of you look around on social media and you see some of the things that are being done, and everybody knows about okay the, you know the the PVC at the bottom of the cup or the foam at the bottom of the cup or the inverted cup. But you also see these neat things where you you kind of reach down and it's got a lever and you pull it up with your your putter and the ball pops out of the hole. You know it's mm-hmm. kind of ingenious little uh, creations like that. And you wonder is hmm, interesting is something like that going to take root? You know. And uh, become more commonplace after after this is all done. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of things that do change. You know, will people regard bunkers as really being a true hazard? You know, the rakes might not be there. Um, you know, we just you smooth them over with your foot, and then all of a sudden, you know, that bunker is the hazard that it's intended to be. You're not going to get that perfect lie every time and uh, perfect smoothness. Smoothness. So. It will be interesting to see what, what kind of unfolds from this. Yeah, you kind of spoke to it. I was going to ask you if you've seen any cool inventions or, or ideas that have that have been sparked um, from this, or, or you may not have thought about or noticed that were that were already out there. Um, I saw one. A, a friend of mine sent me a, a message about this company called Splash City Golf, where in this Amazon culture we're living in, this company ships you launch pads little dividers so you can essentially make your own range in your backyard and if you have access or if you live near a body of water um, you can get biodegradable golf balls from them and just make your own create your own driving range into whatever body of water or area you live in and then when you're done with it pack it up and they'll come pick it up from you which is it's really i thought it was a really cool idea and i'd never seen anything like that before you know, I'd seen hitting nets and stuff like that, but never actually hit your own golf balls into the lake. And then it's environmentally conscious enough to where you don't have to worry about a fish eating your golf ball. <laughs> it's really cool to see some of the uh, some of the efforts, some of the initiatives, things like that popping up. I mean, certainly some of the research that that I help with the National Golf Foundation that we do, you know, and you see some of the searches for what people are doing at home now, you know, in in areas that you can't play golf. It's, you know, what can I do at home? And the the searches, the putting mats and uh, indoor simulator systems or or nets and foam balls hitting out in the backyard, you know, all those searches are higher than they've ever, ever been. So, you know, that really speaks to the, um, the avidity and the passion that golfers have, you know, we might not be able to get out in the golf course right now in certain areas, but 
you know, the, the itch is certainly there to get out and at least hope to improve when we can get out. For sure. That's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see how sales of golf simulators, if they're just going through the roof right now, as that becomes more and more popular and the technology is so good now. Bringing me to my last point, um, when you talked about getting back out there again, I wanted to ask you, and I asked, told you this was coming in the beginning of the episode. I don't know Eric's answer to this question, but when you do, when we we can travel and, and do things without any sort of restriction, where is the the first place you want to travel to go play golf? That's a, I mean, it's a great question and it could be a very long list, but you know, for me, I've been lucky enough to, to travel a good bit around the world to play golf and to write about some really cool places, but I am kind of, I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I've never been out to Bandon Dunes. And so, you know, before all of this unfolded, I actually had a trip set up and I was going to get out there. I was going to experience the sheep ranch and the, the plan was going to be in, in, in June in the, the newest course that's going to be opening out there at the resort on the Oregon coast. And, oh boy, I was so looking forward to that. And it seems like those plans have been scuttled for now, but you know, I know that that is the, the first place that I'd like to make sure I get back to. I can't wait to see all the golf courses out there and to experience them. I've heard all the stories. I, I know how good the golf is. I know how good the experience is. And now to have a, a new course like the Sheep Ranch that's going to be opening added to that mix, I mean, it's going to puts that antip- anticipation level up to, uh, to a whole new stratosphere. Well, it's funny that you say that because that was going to be my answer as well, because I was going to go and do a similar trip there in April mm. and I've never been out there either. So intriguing that we, we both had the same thought in our heads or trip that we, we kind of missed out on, but I will, uh, I'll curve ball. I'll go a different direction. I've also been trying to figure out a way to get to a nod to the the hat that you're currently wearing right now, Big Cedar Lodge. And of course, Tiger Woods' first public course is set to open this year as well, uh, Paynes Valley. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get down there last year and had a wonderful tour of Paynes Valley. Got taken around the, the entire layout and it is impressive. It is a beautiful location. And I Big Cedar has just got a fantastic array of golf. I mean, you've got you've got the Coor Crenshaw course in in Ozarks National that opened last year. You've got a, a Fazio course there. You've got the the top of the rock course that people probably know. They've seen the the nine hole par three, the seniors tournament that gets mm-hmm. a lot of play every year and a lot of attention. So there's just a wealth of great golf. There's a there's a 14 hole course, the, a Gary Player design, uh, called Mountaintop up there, and it's beautiful. You know, it goes through these these crazy rugged rock formations, up at one of the highest points up there, um, and then Tiger's course, this Paynes Valley. It's going to dive down, uh, kind of in the same area, start atop the the mountain, and and works its way down. And it's, it's gorgeous. The the 18th hole, and there's going to be a 19th hole too. There's a par three. 19th hole is going to be at the bottom of this 200 foot limestone cliff. There's going to be a waterfall that comes down. It's, it's impressive. And, you know, that's another place that for sure should be on the bucket list for a lot of golfers. Well, it's on mine. 
It sounds like the big cat's doing big things there. So going to have to do that. And with that and with my dog looking at me like she has to go do her business outside, I'm going to conclude the episode here with you, Eric. I appreciate you uh, giving your insight on everything from logo balls to current initiatives that are going on and doing really good things in our society. Uh, and of course, places to go once all this is said and done. And we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you again on whatever else comes to the top of our head at some point in the near future. That sounds great. It's great being on with you. I look forward to talking about some uh, some cool destinations when people can get back out and, and travel. Yes, sir. Sounds great. All right, Eric. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.